I would rather do a paid discovery first. We do a discovery so we know what the actual scope of this MVP or this project in general should be. And then we do the project. So there's a lot of stigma, I think, around paid discovery. A lot of people don't like it. And a lot of people are think, think clients might be scared by this. And it's true. The wrong clients will be scared by this. But the right clients, they're going to be like, yes, let's spend our energy figuring out what it is we need to do. Because when it's a nightmare for you, it's not just a nightmare for you. It's a nightmare for your client, too. And if you communicate that to them, they're going to be on board with doing something. This episode is brought to you by Freemius. If you're stuck growing your WordPress product business, it's time to level up to Freemius at freemius.com. Freemius is a complete platform for WordPress product owners to sell, grow, and build a completely sustainable software business. You probably already know how competitive the WordPress ecosystem is these days. Building it and waiting for your customers is simply not an option. Freemius knows how hard it is for your WordPress product founders to grow your business. And they've developed the tools, software, most importantly, the content plus the community to help you get more sales. With a team of monetization experts, you're picking Freemius for success, not just your product license keys and your WordPress auto updates. If you need help growing your WordPress business, visit freemius.com. That's freemius.com. Tell them Matt Report sent you. Thanks for supporting the show. This episode is brought to you by Accessibility Checker Pro Plugin. Save 10% on your purchase using code MATREPORT at EqualizeDigital.com. That's EqualizeDigital.com. If you're developing WordPress websites, chances are you know how important website accessibility is. But if you're like me, you don't know where to begin or you don't know if you have all of the most up-to-date standards in your tool belt. Equalize Digital has created Accessibility Checker plugin, which you can download for free in the WordPress repo. It'll help you get a bird's eye view on how you can improve accessibility of a website you're working on. Then upgrade to Accessibility Checker Pro for WooCommerce support, custom post types, centralized logging, and more. Download Accessibility Checker for free by visiting EqualizeDigital.com or get the pro version at EqualizeDigital.com and use code MATREPORT to save 10% when you check out. There's a new cohort of WordPress celebrity hitting the spotlight these days, and I'm here for it. When we look back in Gutenberg history books, we'll be able to show that blocks, patterns, and JavaScript not only rock the code of the project, but the community as well. Some immediately dropped out, others stayed, and new stars appeared. Born out of the ashes of WordPress old, rising like a phoenix, came our new celebrity hero, Oruba Ahmed. Okay, okay, I know I'm going really heavy with that one. She doesn't consider herself a WordPress celebrity and prefers her collection of plugins and developer chops speak more than her Twitter space or podcast appearances. Today we'll learn how new stars handle their fame, build plugins, host, plus appear on podcasts, and balance a day job. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it on social media. Consider supporting us. Buy us a digital coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash Report. Here's today's episode with Aruba Ahmed. I've been in the WordPress space for a while before uh, Gutenberg was a thing. But for me, when Gutenberg was first released, sure, I also felt that maybe it was a little too early for it to be merged into core. But I was like, this is amazing. This is exactly how I think. This is how I already try to build stuff. So it makes sense that it would come to core. And I was just sort of all in from the moment it was put in core. So yeah, it helped, I guess, because there were people who were like, no, no. And I was just like, yes, yes. And so I guess that helped. And, and it, it spawned you to now I'm looking at your, your website, which you have a fantastic domain. We were just talking about that. It's just simply oruba.com. You have 
a whole bunch, and I want to get into this in a, in a little bit, but plugins galore, quick post, super list block, uh, which I've looked at on the WP Minute. You have Aruba yeah. CPT, but you have a another website called wpaudit.site. Was that right. your first product-ish in the, in the WordPress space? Yeah, I guess it would be. So in 2019, that was the very first non... So I live in Calgary, and before 2019, I had never uh, been to a WordCamp outside of my own city. And the very first WordCamp outside of my city I went to was WordCamp US. And I remember being at WordCamp US and being so inspired by the community and wanting to do something and give back. And based on the conversations that I'd been having with everyone there, on the plane ride home, I built WPAudit.site and nice. just sort of launched it. It was great. <laughs> Give the listener the gist of of what that site does, because I've talked to you yeah. about it in WP Minute before, and mm -hmm. I thought it worked a certain way. I'll let you illustrate to us yeah. what WP so, site is. The way WP Audit works is it's essentially a checklist of all these things that as a site builder, um, but also as someone who might be launching a site or as a dev helping a client, you might want to go through and make sure that all of these things are handled on your site. So it's something that you can check off. Like I know some people who use it on a monthly basis with retainer clients. I know people who use it every single time they launch a, launch a website for a client. Um, and it's it doesn't store anything. It's just something that you can uh, interact interact with in the moment and check things off as you're doing them. It has helpful links for everything that you might want to know about. And certain things may not apply to you, but for the most part, all of it is uh, going to apply to you. And it's fairly specific to WordPress websites, although a lot of things in there are, are for all websites. So yeah. it's just a little helpful tool. Uh, a little bit of a curveball question, and maybe you haven't mm -hmm. critically thought about it in this way with WP Audit, but one of the things that I'm constantly forced to think about is how do we get great information like WP, I'll pat myself on the back, like the WP Minute, into the hands of people who really need it, the mom and pop shop who are, are launching the WordPress website, the, the office uh, manager who the web developer left. So now he or she is running the show and they're like, I don't know mm -hmm. what this WordPress thing is. And they're left to do all the things that you and I know about yeah. WordPress from a maintenance level. How do we get this critical information in front of the eyes of the common WordPress user? So there are ways that we can probably implement as a community or as people who contribute to WordPress, but I think that's not where the mom and pop shops are going to look. They're not going to be looking in their dashboard. They're gonna, not going to be like, oh, let me find a WordPress influencer and see what they recommend. They're going to go to Google and they're going to search something like how to keep my website safe or how to do something. So I think it really just comes down to SEO. Like yeah. it's such a basic answer, but I think that that is what it comes down to. We need to make sure that we're thinking about how builders or clients who how they are going to search for things. And then we need to optimize for that. And that is something I have been thinking about with WP Audit. And it's something that I am kind of working on. And I have some things I want to do with it to help that. Because I think that this is a resource that is helpful for them. But the way it's set up right now, it doesn't make it easy for them to discover or understand how they can use it. So that is an improvement that I hope to launch sometime soon. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. how do you keep organized and on track? I and mean, you have all these other plugins. I, I constantly see you, hey, I, I had some downtime. I whipped together this plugin. <laughs> I was just like, I wish I could do that. I wish I had the the brain power to just come up with a plugin at, oh. at, at my will. But 
how do you keep yourself focused on all of the things you do plus your day job? First of all, you should see my list. My God, it is so long. <laughs> it's a Second. super list. It is. It's in my website <laughs> with like resources and images and tweets I've linked to. It's 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 uh, quite the page. But I had a really tough time last year. One of my projects went sideways in a way that meant that I was working like 16 hours a week. I'm sorry, a day, 16 hours a day. And it was like really, really bad. And when I had that experience, I was like, one, this doesn't let me do the other things in my life, have a life. And two, it's taking over my life in such a way that it's making me not be able to contribute back to the community, which is really important to me. So last year in July, I took a month off from work and I literally went on vacation. And while I was on vacation, I also thought about like, how can I restructure my life so that I can make the money I need to because I need to live and still be able to do these other things I want to. And one of the things that came out of it is I take Fridays off. I take Fridays off from client work, which is my day job, and I work on stuff like this. So I don't really touch this stuff aside from tweeting and thinking and maybe doing small things on Monday to Thursday. And then Friday, I'm doing things like talking on a podcast and <laughs> participating in a panel and making, making bug fixes in a plugin and all these other things. So I am working, but it's all open source or all community focused on Fridays. And mm. that has changed my life. Are you okay talking about what went wrong with that project? Not the personal sure. stuff that maybe with it, but give a sense of big picture what went wrong and how does one avoid that problem in the future? Yeah. So this project was an MVP. And the thing with MVPs is you don't know the scope until you're in it. And then the scope can rapidly expand. But in this particular project, it had an event-driven timeline. So it didn't matter if the scope like became really big and there was a bunch of scope creep. It still had to launch, like had to had to launch to thousands of people at a very specific date. And so trying to meet that and trying to figure out and struggle with the clients, everyone's struggling in this situation. It was bad for everyone to figure out how we can get this just right enough what is the level? Like we didn't know until we were in it what an MVP even could be because what we thought was the MVP was too, was not enough. And so there were still more and more and more. And we didn't anticipate that in the timeline because if we had, then we would have changed something. But by then we couldn't. So all you could do was grind it out. And it was awful. It was awful. There were days when I did not sleep. There were entire weeks where I got maybe three hours of sleep. Mm. And the way to, I think fix that. And the way I have fixed that now is I refuse to do MVPs first off. I would rather do a paid discovery first. We do a discovery so we know what the actual scope of this MVP or this project in general should be. And then we do the project. So there's a lot of stigma, I think, around paid discovery. A lot of people don't like it. And a lot of people are think, think clients might be scared by this. And it's true. The wrong clients will be scared by this. But the right clients, they're going to be like, yes, let's spend our energy figuring out what it is we need to do. Because when it's a nightmare for you, it's not just a nightmare for you. It's a nightmare for your client, too. Yeah. And if you communicate that to them, they're going to be on board with doing something, some pre-work that is paid because it's time and energy on your end, their end, and then do the project. So yeah. I found that the clients, I found that the right clients are totally okay with that. And I think it helps a lot. And was the was your client the direct client of the MVP, or they did they have a client that was actually managing the MVP? Were you outsourcing to an agency that was? 
So I, uh, as a sort of self-employed developer, work in two situations. One, I'm subcontracted by the designer, but I am in a very collaborative partnership, or I subcontract the designer. In this case, the designer was the one who had the client, but we were both kind of leads together. We heavily collaborated. So my I have a relationship with the designer, but I also had a direct relationship with the client as well. Yeah. I think it's important, like the discovery stuff, and I'm curious to get your thoughts, because uh, even at my day job at Casos, which we we do podcast production for customers, and we're actually mm -hmm. in the same boat. It's it's bringing me back. I used to run an agency, ran an agency for for a decade, no yeah. longer run the agency, but now I'm like back in agency life with this production <laughs> company, and it is very much that as we start to level up, everything we've done in the past, akin to building like the five hundred dollar you know WordPress website for the basic user, we used to just edit small little shows. But now we've built a name for ourselves. We're doing bigger and better right. shows. There's just a lot more pieces, just like when a freelancer starts to level up to custom development and mm -hmm. bigger, badder WordPress websites, there needs to be a scope document. There needs, funny enough, yeah. there needs to be a plan. <laughs> and there needs to be a process. There anyway. needs to be a process. And a lot of people, when they say, I want to get paid for my discovery work, my research work, I've seen it happen two different ways. They either give that away too cheaply or they wall it off and they don't do any like free consultation. I think you need to at least meet with somebody maximum 45 minutes to an hour and find out with that person or brand or company or team, do you have, do they have a plan? That's what you're, that's what you're looking for. You're looking to see do you even have a plan? Do you know what's going to happen when we launch the site? Have you ever done anything like this before? Because if you don't realize right. it takes six months to build this, these are all red flags that I'm pulling out of my magic hat. And I'm just saying, yeah, this is going to be a problem. What yeah. is your thoughts on that? What do you give away for free on the consultation side to then lead them into a paid discovery? So I think there's a difference between evaluation and discovery. Ah, so good. that first call is what I call an evaluation. We're evaluating whether this project is worth it, whether it's a good fit, what is it that this project needs to be, right? Because sometimes you don't actually need to do discovery. There's a very tight scope. The client knows exactly what they want. They have the historical data to back it up, the experience to back it up. And you can just say, okay, let's, based on this information, I can give you a proposal and this is a tight scope and we can just make it happen. We can go right into the implementation phase. But that evaluation might also show you that, hey, this is an MVP or hey, this is an idea, but you don't actually have any um, historical data or any experience to back this up. This is something that new that you want to implement. Now that's a flag. It's not a red flag. It's a flag. And that flag <laughs> is you need to do discovery. And that discovery is going to be helpful for you, helpful for us. And at the end of the discovery, you're going to get a proposal, right? And that proposal is that deliverable. Now you get information with that proposal. So you can either work with me afterwards, or you can take that information. It's going to be super valuable, super helpful, and take it to someone else if you want. So it's a deliverable of its own. It's not walled off. I believe in over-delivering and, and sort of not under-promising, but always trying to go a little bit above and beyond because that develops a lot of trust in your quality of work with the client. So, and just being transparent, right? Yes, you're doing paid discovery, but yeah, now you're getting paid. So don't hold back, right? Give them the information they need because they are literally paying you for it. And yeah. when you do that, I think the clients always see the value. Is, right are you able to compare pre-Gutenberg world 
to a post-Gutenberg world on the types of customers you're working with these days. In other words, has the average project value, price, scope gone up since we've seen Gutenberg roll out, whether that was from Gutenberg itself or just three years, four years past in time. I'm yeah. curious, have you seen your request sort of mature, for lack of a better word, um, on your end from your clients? And do you think that's a market shift or maybe just something you've done personally? So yes and yes. And also the pandemic. The <laughs> pandemic has ridiculously changed people's ideas about what is possible and what they want to do online events and training so much more. Was this, was this all possible before? Of course, but now people want it more, which means things get developed and thought about more. And that raises the bar for the client and it raises the bar for me as a developer, raises the bar for the people creating products like LMS plugins. And yeah, I think that Gutenberg, so the block editor is more it takes a little bit more time to get it right, at least right now, yeah. than let's say using ACF or using Beaver Builder. So the cost goes up because it takes a little bit more time. But I think that you get a much more superior product and experience out of it. So yes, inflation, yes. Block <laughs> yeah, editor adding more. Yeah, inflation, block editor, pandemic, all of this put together has meant that clients want more. Their uh, clients have bigger scopes in mind. And at least in my case, I've seen clients who also have the budget or are willing to put that budget behind it. Because the biggest thing I think the pandemic did for the online world is it showed people the value of a freaking website. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> right? Before, it was just like, oh, yeah, it's a website. And we spend so much time like saying, your website is like your 24-person salesperson, et cetera, et cetera. Now people have the freaking proof. So yeah. that value 100%. has gone up. Yeah, hundred percent. I've said this a, a million times already on the podcast. But when the when the lockdowns were first announced, at least with restaurants being shut down in my area, oh I, yeah, I was already like five, six years out of running my agency, and I had people calling me like, "Hey, Matt, can you can we do that website that we talked about fifteen years ago?" <laughs> it's yes, like, no. oh my like, gosh, where yes. were you fifteen years ago when I was telling you you need a website? It's it's just wow, the most basic, um, you know, exactly. low fruit. The direction that Gutenberg has gone, and of course now with full site editing, I, I, I was in another meeting yesterday, some local entrepreneurs building a new uh, new business, and yeah. they're struggling with, with Squarespace. <laughs> They've said that they tried WordPress and they absolutely hate it. Oh, these are, again, mom and pop, small. They would think they're building like a small bakery somewhere uh, in my area. Mm -hmm. Are we headed in the right direction where WordPress will be a good solution for people who are picking up Shopify now because nine out of 10 people I talk to in my local community, they still do not love WordPress. And I'm, I'm hoping that we can solve that. What are your thoughts to align with Squarespaces and Wixes of the world, even though so many of us don't want to do that kind of thing? I think that you mentioned Shopify. So I'm going to go to that point first. I think WooCommerce is still too hard to do yeah. anything more than a t-shirt with without the help of a developer. So uh, for commerce, people who don't want to hire a developer or don't have the money budget yet, Shopify is still going to be easier. 
And with the way Shopify is going, with all of the extra things they're adding built into their app, instead of you having to get things through the marketplace, it's going to become even more and more attractive. WooCommerce has done some of that too, a little bit, but it's nowhere near what Shopify is doing. So for e-commerce, I don't see that changing anyone anytime soon. If people who are going to choose Shopify are still going to be choosing Shopify for the next few years. Yeah. As for WordPress, if you are not doing an e-commerce site... I think that we are going in a direction where it's going to become easier for the mom and pop shop to do what they want. I think full site editing, I think that is the goal of full site editing. It is so that the mom and shops can do it, but it's not there yet. There is a reason there is a beta flag on the site editor. It is not there yet. Not even close. We will get close, I think, with WordPress 6.0. But even then, I don't think it's going to be there yet. There are some vital features missing that I am a little frustrated that they haven't made the roster yet, without which it's just not going to be viable without help, uh, yeah. without technical help. And if the and I think the goal of full site editing is that you shouldn't have to need the technical help for basic sites, for basic for sure sites. You should not need the technical help. But right now, you still do. What are the one or two things that you think it, it critically needs to get in? <laughs> So mom and pop shops and people who are DIYers, they love to copy paste. It's like their superpower, right? It's everyone's superpower, but it's really their superpower. And full site editing does not help you copy and paste. It may, it actively works hard to make it impossible for you to copy paste. So until we add things like that additional CSS thing that the customizer had, or make it easy for people to create new posts, right? The in the block editor experience, which is something I've griped about a lot. Until some basic things like that are not there, it's not going to be viable. Yeah. as a standalone, no help setup. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at the point where I, I, like everyone else, very upset when when Gutenberg came out because it was just like the timing, <laughs> the communication. It was pretty much, it was all that stuff. And then it was like the product it's a terrible itself. terrible PR was, disaster. Yeah. wasn't wasn't that sharp. And again, I've said it before, I still struggle to just drag blocks around in, in between columns, like the most basic functions. But having seen three and a half-ish years later, I'm like, okay, the product's getting good. I like it. It's, it's, there's, there's a lot of things happening here. So I, I guess I'm, I'm going softer on full site editing because of that. But at the <laughs> same time i'm like man why are we forcing this like the the biggest thing for me was like when i was modifying like the templates of a page or a post or whatever and it was just like dealing with menus and yeah. like setting like locations of menus and nav navigation locations and all that stuff and it was very inconsistent i'm like wow there is if i can't figure this out there's no way i could hand this to my customer and oh, by the way, if I hand this to my customer, they're definitely going to break it. <laughs> like they are definitely <laughs> going to break this thing. And that's just going to be a, a nightmare. So I can definitely see why people are, are holding off on that stuff. I do want to say, though, that I think the biggest thing that people, I think, maybe forget is the reason why Gutenberg was merged into course so quote unquote early, and the same thing has happened with FSE is because feature plugins, which is what Gutenberg was before, do not get enough attention. We power 40% of the freaking web at the very least. And the people who are interacting with the feature plugin are a fraction of a fraction of a fraction, which means you don't have enough feedback. You don't have enough bug reports. You don't have enough people chiming in with their opinion. And when you, when you merge into core, 
we're talking about it on a podcast. We're talking about it on Twitter. We're talking about it. And that's just getting absorbed one way or another. It's feedback and it's coming and it's in the right. It's going to help push the product in the right direction at a quicker pace than when it was a feature plugin. So I think that's why it gets merged. And I think we need to start thinking like that. The rest of the product world outside of WordPress already does this. They put beta stuff in their main things all the time. Okay, and people know and there's a beta flag and it might break or you might not work right and you provide feedback and that helps, right? Having that tight loop, the real customers, the real people who are using your website or your product are giving you that feedback, which means when you develop, you develop in the right direction. So Mm. I think that I personally think it is the right move that we are moving more in that way because it means faster development and development in the right direction. But it is an adjustment. I totally get that. Because that is not how WordPress has operated before. WordPress as the operating system for the web. Uh, a tagline that I hitched my my cart to a long time ago with Matt and something I still believe in. I think Gutenberg even m- more so brings us in that direction. In Matt's state mm-hmm. of the word, he said that Gutenberg is bigger than WordPress. And I like to hear things that Matt says in certain key phrases and then try to project like five to 10 years, which I think he literally does is he's thinking five to 10 years down the road when he says a lot of these things. And we don't really know it until we're in it. I I put out a a video recently saying that Mm -hmm. I think that Gutenberg could be the thing that page builders as they exist today, because they will get wiped off the face of WordPress.org as full site editing gets better. I don't think they'll survive that well. That's my theory. But I can see a world where since they all want to move into that SaaS direction, Elementor and many others, Brizzy as well, that Mm -hmm. they could have their own framework using whatever code they want. And if they want to have a block-based system because it's just a natural thing, they could scoop up Gutenberg and press that into their hosted framework, regardless if it's WordPress or not. Is that a future that you see as well? Maybe not as specific, but do you see Gutenberg really outpacing WordPress used in these ways? Maybe one day is the short answer. I think that the Gutenberg product is still too glued to the way WordPress works in order for it to be that easily portable. It's not easily portable right now. If you want to port it to something that isn't WordPress, there is a bunch of work you still have to do. Maybe if the project adopts that that protocol that was proposed for blocks, and I forget exactly what it was called, but if that happens, then perhaps there might be a change in how things are implemented. But right now, I think that's a fairly far future. And the people who have the the companies that will have the budget to do something like that, one, they're going to have to evaluate is doing this actually better than what we're already doing right now. We have this mature system or is it worth it? Or you have to have a really, really high budget and really, really like high risk tolerance in order to be able to experiment with it. So I think that it is a future but I don't think it's a near future. The block protocol is, I think that's the one uh, that was written by Joel Spolsky, Joel Joel on software.com. I'll I'll link it up in the show notes. Um, Yeah. And and that was, I think that's a a fascinating thing. Like I I really think that, yeah, it's going to be, it's definitely going to take a a while. Mm -hmm. Famously, Matt said that years and years ago, which was a, a cause of of uh, friction for me and many others when he said that sort of the adoption of WordPress was because of Jetpack and, and how Jet how easy Jetpack 
made WordPress. And we're not even really seeing that until today, <laughs> like on how Jetpack has improved and has started throwing every feature in it. And I think that was him projecting quite literally eight to 10 years after he said that in the direction of where Jetpack was going. And I think what we'll see is, yeah, Jetpack, just like Gutenberg, uh, Jetpack will have just all the features that you want to where you're just, you're so exhausted from installing so many plugins that when yeah. Jetpack is better, you're just going to be like, ah, screw it. I'll just use Jetpack because I don't want to go install other things. And that's the long game, I think, Matt projects when he says a lot of these things. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. That's to the see. Apple way. Yeah. Right? Sure. The integrated system. The, yeah. The courage uh, not to take over garden, all of the plugins. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I, there's value in that. Yeah. I always thought of WordPress as trying to like walk that tightrope between being totally do it whatever, however you want and have this experience. And I think that's what the block editor is doing, right? Like it's trying to stay clean. It's trying to provide an experience, but still let, let, let it be extensible. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how it progresses in doing that and how we can change and pivot.org so that it helps with that instead of creating that exhaustion that you're talking about, which is yeah. very real. It's very real for clients, for site builders, for developers who might be not doing everything custom. It's real. So if we can figure out a way to make that exhaustion less of a thing, I think that is better for everyone in the open source world. And .com to to give them some credit, which I which I always do, Daniel Schutzmith and Justin Ferriman, mm -hmm. I, only top of mind because I saw them talking about it in the Discord server, that they both tried out WordPress.com and from the onboarding to the signup flow. And obviously, there's some things that you're obviously not going to do with your self-hosted WordPress, but right. they, they enjoyed the experience. And I would absolutely love if I could just tell my friends and families and colleagues, go to WordPress.com and set up everything you need right there. Because at right. the moment that they do want to customize it or do something else with it, they can pull it away from that if they wanted to into a self-hosted WordPress if we had to do something greater. But I don't want to be sending them to Squarespace and Wix and Shopify. I would love to send them to, uh, to WordPress.com. And right. uh, that's, a, that's a direction I hope that more of us start to take. I think so. And I think that a lot of hosting companies are also taking that cue, right? They're trying to create this experience, what I like to call, I think it's really important to create delightful experiences, mm. keyword being delight there. And I think WordPress.com takes that to heart and is trying to make that happen. And a lot of hosting companies, I think, are also trying to go in that direction, which I have mixed feelings about. I don't want us to feel like we're walled into one version of WordPress. I think portability is one of the biggest superpowers of WordPress, but there's not, that's still, there's something to say about creating an experience on top of it that helps your customer be more delighted and have more ease when they're trying to create the thing. Because ultimately the website is not the goal. The goal is the web, the, the goal is whatever you want to do that the website is going to serve. So you should not have to struggle as much with the website, especially for a builder or a mom and pop shop. Yeah. Talk to me about other technologies that you might use that you find useful in your business. I was scanning your Twitter feed uh, before we jumped on, and I think you said you were doing something with Netlify with a client. Do you get into other technologies and integrate them, integrate them into WordPress? Do you use any no-code tools to wire things together? I, I'm just a, like a hobbyist in that arena. I like to play with things to see what I can do as a non-developer. What other tools and technologies do you use? Yeah, so Netfl Netlify is really cool, and actually WPAudit.site is yes marketed towards oh, wordpress but is actually on netlify <laughs> uh, 
Anyway, well, it's a static show. site. <laughs> <laughs> it's a static site, and Netlify just makes it so easy to keep things version controlled. So it's all in GitHub, and then every time I push a change, Netlify detects that, and it automatically updates the site. And I don't actually have to pay for hosting. I just pay for the domain. So it's great. Now, I really, really Netlify. The more I play with it, the more I love it. I also like to play a lot with Laravel, which is another framework on PHP. And I like PHP because I am from the WordPress world. So playing with all Laravel and creating apps with it is pretty interesting. I created one with my husband a few years ago that helps you download shower thoughts from a subreddit. And then we have it connected to a little device in our house that oh, then boy. shows you a different shower <laughs> thought if you click yeah. a button. <laughs> I, was tell, I was wondering if it was show up in the shower, like you have an LED screen Oh, in that the would shower. be cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that far, but it's something that uh, a lot of our friends love to play with when they're come, they come over and it was just a fun little project we did. As far as no-code tools, I am such a coder that I think I don't experiment enough with no coding tools. I It is on my radar and it is something that I want to try more with. But then I just looked at Daniel Shitsmith. There's a no code tool. I'm gonna be like, hey, Daniel, have you heard about that? And then maybe Daniel will try it and <laughs> yeah, then I won't have to. <laughs> yes, yes. He is definitely the experiment child of our group. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. So yeah, that's something that I'm really aware of, but I wouldn't say that I play with as much because I'm just so obsessed with the code part of things <laughs> sure yeah no that makes that makes total sense um sort of wrapping up here i know you started with uh a handful of your plugins here or i, I think you've done a handful of videos i should say for your plugins what's yes. your sort of game plan for youtube and content marketing for these for these plugins are mm -hmm. you going to get really serious with it or is it more of like hey let me just play around and experiment with it I think that my ultimate goal is to have products and have that be my business. So it is, I am definitely in going in the direction of maybe creating some premium plugins or premium products, let's say. It doesn't necessarily have to be plugins. And that, and I really care about education. Okay. So especially with the block editor, there's all these people, they're PHP first. And I was also PHP first until the block editor. And I want to help all those people get on the bandwagon and go where the future is. And so I am right now currently recording some videos to help with that and hopefully coming out with a course later this year to help people like that become more comfortable with the way WordPress is going. So I love to teach and I've done it a lot in my life. And I think that will teaching and also then creating plugins that help people help them avoid the what Mark, one of one of my friends online, Mark calls paper cuts, the paper cuts of the WordPress experience. I want to help alleviate those. That's where Superlist came from. That's where QuickPost came from. These are small little things that can bother you and bother you, and they're little paper cut pains, and I just want to fix them. So yeah. <laughs> that's kind of my philosophy right now. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Oruba yeah. Med, thanks for hanging out today and chatting. Where can folks find you to say thanks? Yeah, thanks for having me. I am literally A-U-R-O-O-B-A everywhere. So Twitter, Instagram, Aruba.com. The power of having a unique name is yes. I get to have my handle everywhere. That is fantastic. Everybody else, MattReport.com, MattReport.com slash subscribe. Join the mailing list. It's the number one way to stay connected. We'll see you in the next episode.